Eight seconds to go, down by six. Brady in the gun, flanked by the running back, White. Four-man front, Brady back, cocks his arm, throws a pass, caught by the rookie running back at the goal line, spins, dives, touchdown, Rashad White! Just like we drew it up. Just like we drew it up. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. That was the call on Westwood One Radio as Tom Brady defeats the New Orleans Saints last night. The answer to the question I put on Twitter, if you have to ask, do they leave Tom Brady too much time? The answer is always yes. It is noon on a Tuesday on Peacock, but of course it's 5 o'clock somewhere. He's Jake Croucher. I'm Matthew Berry. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, Jay. And um, a brutal game of football <laughs> last night. Brutal spectacle. Yes, it was awful. Luckily not on our air, not on NBC, not on Peacock. But I will say this. It was interesting towards the end of the game, and this is why we say thank goodness for fantasy football, thank goodness for betting, because yesterday, yesterday on this very show, we gave out our best bets. You took the under, never in doubt. Never in doubt. No, it, uh, it was literally never in doubt. It, they, even with the scoring, the two late touchdowns, still covered pretty handsomely. And then our props, we did pretty well too. I snuck over with Chris Olave. You had Chris Godwin's over, which covered pretty handily. I had over six and a half receptions on Chris Godwin, which, which cashed in the last drive, thank goodness. It was weird. He had like three on the first drive, and I'm like, this one's going to be easy. Yes. And then it wasn't until the very last drive. The whole Bucks offense, we'll get into that in one second. The other thing that was weird that, so we did a social video. So BetMGM, we do, we do our best bets on the show, but then also BetMGM, our, our good friends and partners, asked us to do like a, a social video that they circulate about some, some bets for the Monday Night Game. And so one of the ones I gave out on that one was under Alvin Kamara 12 and a half rush attempts. That also cashed. It had no business <laughs> cashing. Yeah. It had no business. So... The, the Saints get the ball back. The, the Buccaneers have scored. Now they're down 16-10. Yep. And there's like, I don't know, I don't call it two, 245 or something like that left. I'm not exactly sure when they get the ball. But basically, they get one first down. This game's pretty much over. First attempt, run to Alvin Kamara, gets like whatever, two yards. Bucks take a timeout. They got two left. Second and eight. What should the Saints do? And that was the 12th rush attempt for Alvin Kamara. Yep. So I'm like, all right, well, here goes this loss. They're going to run Kamara twice more. The, you know, the over's going to hit. I'm going to lose my bet. Saints win this game. No, the Saints, <laughs> for some dumb reason, with the lead and knowing that the, the Sa- they decide to try to pass. Yeah. And so out, Andy Dalton goes back. He gets sacked. Bucks take another timeout. So now they're third and long. They throw a pass attempt. Of course, it's incomplete. They have to punt. They've given Tom Brady too much time. He, he, uh, he marches them down. They score a touchdown. Bucks win 17-16. And the Alvin Kamara <laughs> under 12 and a half rushing attempts cashes. It had no business cashing, but sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. Exactly. And you were kind of down on the bet in the production call this morning because you thought it should have lost. My advice there, just bank the wins. Just right. bank the wins. Because we both had the Cowboys minus nine on Thanksgiving against the Giants, which right. absolutely should have won and Correct. ended up going down. So you've just got to take no, the wins where you can. Sometimes you take the good beats with the yes. bad beats. There's no question about it. Listen, we knew one of the reasons I made the bet or, um, and made the prediction on the social video was because the Saints' usage of Alvin Kamara is mind-bogglingly yes. stupid. And so I didn't think that was going to change. And what do you know? It didn't, Jay Croucher. And with six minutes left, the key play of the game where Mark Ingram runs out of bounds on second down, one right. yard short of the marker. When Mark Ingram cannot move, 
Right. It would have been good maybe. And could have had the first out. Yeah, and it would have been good, I don't know, if you had another guy who could move, who's pretty good at catching passes out of the backfield, who maybe could have run for the first down. But look, Alvin Kamara, uh, I think he is. Here's the the play. Alvin Kamara (laughs) out of the backfield. This is a designed pass to Mark Ingram. And you see this on your screen right now if you're watching here on Peacock or on YouTube later. Like, it's just like he steps out of bound just before the first down marker. He easily could have gotten to the first down. This it's is right. just a, a stupid play. And by the way, it serves you right, Saints. So you should not have Mark Ingram out there in that uh, in that situation. Yep, and Mark Ingram tweeted after the game, I'm sick about this one. Regardless of circumstances or how I feel, I have to get that fresh set of downs for the squad. I apologize to my teammates, my coaches, and my city for a crucial mistake. We work way too hard and sacrifice blood, sweat, and tears. I will be better. New Orleans, what's that? New Orleans Saints emoji, Black Love Heart emoji. Look, out Mark Ingram, I mean, I, I feel sorry for the guy because he was clearly hurt. And he clearly, I think he would just want to get out You shouldn't have been out minutes. there, Mark Ingram. By, no. by the way, by all accounts, I've never met Mark Ingram in my life, but by all accounts, I, I know a number of people that know him. Yep. An awesome dude. Yes. A great teammate, beloved in the locker room. I am not surprised to see him take accountability and be a stand-up guy. It's not your fault, Mark Ingram. You should not have been out there. Yeah. There's a reason they paid Alvin Kamara the money they paid him. Like, he's the guy that if you're like, hey, we're going to do a dump-off pass that we need to get eight yards on, that should be Alvin Kamara. You saw it on your screen earlier. It's insane to me. It's insane to me that Mark Ingram had more receptions yeah. in this game than Alvin Kamara on third down. On third down, you see it there once again on your screen. Mark Ingram, five receptions to just two. For Alvin Kamara, 11 receiving yards for Kamara, 22 for Mark Ingram. I took the over on uh, receiving yards for Alvin Kamara, which should have cashed had they just <laughs> had rational coaching. Kamara. They did not have rational coaching. Uh, you see the seven rushing attempts there for Mark Ingram. It's worth noting that uh, Alvin Kamara played under 60% of the offensive snaps. That's a season low for him. Ingram outsnapped Alvin Kamara 8-7 to seven on third down. Yep. On third down. Like, that's the money down for Alvin Kamara since week nine. He's been the 40th best running back in fantasy football on a points-per-game basis with single-digit fantasy points in four of the last five. He's had one game, and this is the craziest part to me. He's had one game since week eight with more than 14 touches. So you're no longer an every-week starter now, Alvin Kamara. It's been bad for a long, long You know time. what? I'm going to say this. No, he is, this week he is not a starter. He is absolutely not a starter. He's on a bye. Because he's on a bye. Okay. Yep. He's on a bye. And they come back and they're hope. They come back and they're, here's the thing. If you've made it to the playoffs, you've probably made it despite Alvin Kamara because he's been brutal this year. Yep. Um, but what I would say is that there is light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, in theory, because, again, their usage is just so mind-boggling to me. Um, but they have a bye this week, but then they come out of the bye. They're home to the Falcons. Good run defense to go against. I mean, it's a bad run defense, so it's a good matchup. They're at Cleveland. You love that. Yep. Then they're at Philadelphia, which you don't love, and they, they'll be better, and they got Jordan Davis back, and Ndamukong Sue's playing well, but whatever. The next, by next week, but then Atlanta and Cleveland, the first two weeks of the playoffs, in theory, you feel good about that. He is a low-end RB2, high-end flex at this point, you know what I mean? Because the talent's there. Like, nothing I see from the eye test tells me, like, this guy's lost a step or, like, isn't the same guy. It's just the, the offense is stuck in the mud. It's just a, it's a brutal you know, maddening offense, and they seem they find yourself somebody that looks at you the way the Saints look at Andy Dalton. Like, yeah. I don't – or Taysom Hill. Yeah. 
I mean, I, it's become the Andy Dalton, Mark Ingram offense when there's Jameis Winston, who seems like he would have been better all along. Chris Olave last night only gets six targets despite his talent. And then Alvin Kamara, obviously. I mean, the thing is, is maybe Kamara is dealing with some niggling thing. Maybe he comes out of the bye looking more like, you know, the guy who had, what, six touchdowns against Minnesota on Christmas a couple of years ago. Like, the thing is with Kamara... Because he does look okay, you feel like at some point there is the 30-point fantasy day, and it's coming, but we're running out of time now. You're 4-9, and yeah. Saints. Do something different. Yeah. Do something different. That and the weird is part is, is that Dennis Allen is going to take the fall for this, and rightfully so. But he's a defensive-minded head coach. Their defense actually plays well. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Obviously, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry was out for a while as well, and, and so... It's shocking to me because the, the anti-Camara argument in the preseason, and I'll cop to this, I was pro-Camara, right? The, the anti-argument was, well, he's going to get suspended. And we were constantly in the preseason like, no, he's not going to get suspended this year. They're going to keep kicking this legal case down the road. Mike Florio also confirmed this, like, we don't think the NFL is going to act until the legal case is settled and the legal case keeps getting kicked down the road. It's probably not going to be heard until the offseason. So if there is a suspension coming for Kamara uh, based on the incident in Las Vegas, the expectation is that happens in 2023, not 2022. He's not going to get suspended. You're getting him a discount. I'm all in on Alvin Kamara. And that has proven to be true. So the process was right. The result, totally wrong, because he hasn't been the guy that he's been throughout his career. Yep. We can close the book on the New Orleans Saints. Four and nine cost themselves their season last night, inexplicably losing. Up yeah. 16-3 uh, with three or four Not your fault, Mark Ingram. You should not have been in that spot. Yeah. It's very much a, a Robin Williams goodwill hunting situation. It's yeah. not your fault, Not Mark your fault. All right, let's pivot to a slightly less depressing, still a little depressing situation, the Tampa <laughs> Bay offense. And let's start with the backfield, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. The only thing I want to do before we move on to this, the things is just sort of dismiss Rashad Shahid. Okay, you're out of him. He looked good last night. He did look good. It's one look. I mean, he's just like he's a... Four targets. Four targets. Yeah. He's a big play dependent uh, wide receiver who has Andy Dalton as yeah, quarterback. Exactly. And they're on a bye this week. I, you know, just... I think some people might see the four for 76 or, uh, you know, whatever it was and be like, oh, you know, and... No, no, no. no. I mean, Chris, like... Chris Olave is the only pass catcher you want outside of maybe Taysom Hill. Yeah, and, and I mean, only in Taysom Hill, only because he's tight and uh, eligible. All yes, right, let's move exactly. to Tampa Bay. All right, let's talk about Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. Leonard Fournette gets 10 carries for 49 yards. Rashad White only the nine carries, but Rashad White does get healthy passing game usage and scores the game-winning touchdown. What are you doing with this situation going forward? This is a committee. Here's a pause. This is a committee. You see it there on your screen. So 60% of the snaps for Uncle Lenny, uh, you know, 41% for Rashad White. Uh, Uncle Lenny outrushes him. They each get six receptions. Rashad White, the more effective receiver. He, of course, gets the game-winning touchdown as well, Rashad White. This is a committee. This is a committee. Um, unlike thinking there's any fantasy value in Mark Ingram in another committee on the other yeah. side, like, part of the argument for Leonard Fournette was just the massive volume he was getting, and he's no longer getting massive volume. And now this is a, like, this is weirdly a... No, give the Saints credit. They played good defense here, Right. But this is a low-octane offense at the moment. And yep. so, you know, running back is so, is so desperate, especially this week. We should, we should just start off this week. I don't know that you have the benefit of benching Fournette or Rashad White this week because on by this week, the aforementioned Alvin Kamara, Cordero Patterson, David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Jonathan Taylor, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson – we don't know about the status of Ken Walker just yet. He might miss this week as well. Yep. So it's a dicey 
running back week this week. And so I don't know that you're going to have the, given how inconsistent and poor the running back position has been this week, you're probably playing, uh, you know, they're at San Francisco, so you hate the matchup, too. You know what I mean? That's I think the, the issue. The but I do thing, think Rashad White, because of the passing game usage, might be flex-usable against the Niners. I think Fournette might be as well, because the biggest, and this is where fantasy departs from real life, it's a bad sign that those two guys got 15 combined targets last night, because Brady just can't do anything down the field. No, and again, this is the story of the Bucs season. Yeah, the story of the Bucs season is, again, Tom Brady, as is the case basically every week, last night needed 54 passing attempts to get to 281 passing yards, which means that he needs to use the running backs all the time. And in PPR leagues, that's incredibly valuable for Fournette and White. White ultimately provides more value because he gets the touchdown this week. But going forward, I mean, I think they're largely the same guy. You know what? I think that's fair. To your point, Uncle, uh, Uncle Lenny, five receptions in two of the last three games. Rashad White, eight or more targets each of the last two games. Worth noting the Niners give up the seventh most targets per game to opposing running backs. So I do think both are flex usable. Um, it is true. I mean, like, listen, give, um, give the Saints credit. Like, they, they defended fairly well in the secondary and they got to Brady. Both things which I think will happen against San Francisco. But Brady does like to dump off. This is nothing new. I mean, like, you know, think of all the years with James White. He likes to dump the ball off. I agree with you. They couldn't get anything going down the field. It's like, what's going on with Mike Evans? We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, the passing game usage is what makes them... But again, like, it's just because they are literally splitting carries. This is a true, you know, one-two running back by committee. They are both merely high-end flex plays and only in PPR. You don't feel good about them this week against San Francisco in non-PPR. Yep. Okay, you mentioned Mike Evans. Let's go there now. Mike Evans, who's pretty good at football, was sixth on the team in targets last night. Only targeted four times, despite Marshall and Lattimore, who we thought was going to play. He ends up not playing. Mike Evans, uh, despite Aaron Judge going to the game wearing his jersey, can't get up for that, shows basically nothing, goes four for 59. I thought the concerns about Mike Evans were a little bit overblown because outside of the touchdowns, which are more fluky, he was performing fine, but last night's a concern. Because the argument, the, the, the pro Mike Evans argument is like he's still getting, they're still throwing a ton and he's still getting a ton of targets. But then, right, you look at that in a game in which Marshawn Lattimore did not play, Mike Evans only had four targets. He's now had under 60 receiving yards in four straight. He's had zero end zone targets in six of the last eight. That's the thing that's shocking to me. They had a sequence at the, the very first drive. They have a sequence. They go down the field and they get the So they're down first. It's first and goal like on the nine or something. First play is a run up the middle. Okay. Then the next play is like a, uh, is a pass to the side. I want to say it was to... Uh, to uh, Godwin maybe and then the the third down is again another just dump off to the side to Rashad White and if I got the players wrong whatever I mean I watched it last night but my point is is like at no point did he like okay you know what I got this six foot seven wide receiver freak on my team why don't I just throw a jump ball and let him box out and go and get him because that's what Mike Evans does why don't I throw a Gronk ball to him and you know like I don't understand why you're not running like run a seam route Do, do you know like yeah, it's very strange. It's They're completely... not throwing into the end zone, is my point. Like, yeah. it's super weird. It's very discombobulated, very concerning about that offense overall, just with Bruce Arians gone. But can I tell you a secret, Matthew? Mm. I think the Bucks are going to beat the 49ers next week. Because right now, this is insane. Tom Brady is a three-and-a-half-point underdog to Brock Purdy. It's insane. It just can't be right. The look-ahead line was six. Now it's three-and-a-half. Two-and-a-half points isn't enough 
from Jimmy Garoppolo, who's playing really well, to Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy. So the Bucks, as bad as they look, the defense is playing a little so bit like, better. you like the Bucks plus three and a half. I think that just, game's in San Francisco. The game's in San Francisco. Tom Brady, this is where he grew up. This is where he grew up. His hometown. And he's shown in these game-winning drives. Same things against the Rams, against Seattle. He, was, he played better. I don't know. I just think the Bucks. I still think there is this ceiling there. Brady's not playing that badly. And it's still Godwin and Evans. I think Evans will get better. So, I don't know. I think the Bucks will win that game. You have convinced me. I'm placing that bet right now. Okay. Let's do you, it. Why don't As you figure you out what else we're doing? Bet on uh, yeah, at, at BetMGM. And you know what? I'm using the promo code Barry. There you go. All right. Let's uh, get to wave wide running backs. In case you're wondering whether I use my own code, I do. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you yeah. would. Yeah. Of course. The minus 10,000 caches. Yeah. All right. Good. Waiver wide running backs. Now, just a reminder, you ran through it before, but the teams on by Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Washington. So, six teams. That is a lot. And let's start off with my favorite running back in the league. As firstly, we look at the guys who are on by. You ran through those names before. Uh, but the guy who I think will be the number one waiver pickup this week, the great Bam Knight, Lord of the Bam Wagon, uh, he should be rostered everywhere. There's no question. Look, by the way, this is the same thing we said last week. Yes. We talked about this a week ago on this show. Um, we had Connor Rogers, our friend Connor, who covers the Jets, does a great job. He was on the show last Monday. He was also on the show yesterday. But, you know, he basically said, like, look, they really like Bam Knight. They think they found something in a true three-down back. They can use him in passing game that even if Michael Carter had been healthy in this game, they would have used Bam Knight. And that they view Michael Carter much more as a complimentary back, a third-down back, and that they've been looking since Brees Hall went down – I'm entirely paraphrasing Connor Rogers here. Since Brees Hall went down, they've been looking for someone to sort of step up. And that's exactly what Bam Knight has done. We are all on the Bam wagon. We bam, are. bam. Yes, Let's go. He's Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. As we look at the past two Make games, he's gotten 14 and 15 carries. Very efficient running the ball as well. And then he's also getting the passing down usage, which I think this week as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog at Buffalo is going to be key because you would expect that they will be throwing a fair bit. And just a reminder as well, his name is Zonovan. So if you're looking for him on the waiver wire, right. do not look for B.Knight. It is Z, Z.Knight. Z.Knight. Z. Zonovan, bam, Knight. Zed in Australia. Name. Um, 75% of the running back carries for the Jets in week 13. He's had at least 17 touches and at least 100 yards from scrimmage now in back-to-back weeks. To your point, Bill's nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So, right. I'm agreeing with you. The passing game usage gives me confidence against the Buffalo Bills. To me, he's the number one. If he's still available, and he shouldn't be, but if he is still available, he's the number one uh, waiver claim. The number two guy right next to him is the guy he's facing in, in that game against Buffalo, and that's James Cook, related to Dalvin, of course. Uh, you know, early round draft pick for the Buffalo Bills this year. They like him. 11 targets over the last two games, and we talked about this after last week's Bills game. Um, where the Thursday night game against the Patriots were like, felt like this was a James Cook coming out party. Yeah, and I think that, you know, he has the talent upside, and the fact that he played the same number of snaps as Devin Singletary, that is extremely encouraging. And look, this Bills offense has kind of been a little bit inconsistent the rest of the way, so I think the concern was that this was just a, a machine and they were just going to keep things exactly as they were, but they have struggled a little bit, so I think that it makes sense they would give James Cook more of a run. There's no question about it. He's averaging over five yards per carry and 10 yards per reception this year. You have seen the explosiveness in small doses. We finally saw it last week where he played 43% of the snaps as you see it there on your screen with 20 touches in this game last week. And now he gets a, uh, a Jets defense 
That's 17th against the run over the last month that just gave up a big game to Dalvin Cook, you know, related to James Cook. It could be back-to-back weeks for uh, the Cook boys. So um, James Cook, to me, who's available in 76% of Yahoo leagues, I think he's he's going to have a role not just this week but for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think we've spoken about it before, but the thing with the Jets' defense, which overall is excellent, the reason they're excellent is Sauce Gardner on the left, DJ Reed on the right, manning up Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. The Jets' defense was excellent against the Bills a month ago, but the way to beat the Jets is with the running back and with the tight end. So I think that James Cook, there's a lot of scope for him this week. Let's talk about Jordan Mason, uh, who plays against Tampa Bay. Saw an uptick in usage. I, uh, a thousand percent. Now listen, it's a tough matchup with Tampa Bay, but then you think about the upcoming schedule. At Seattle, you love that. Home to the Commanders, you don't love that. But then at Las Vegas. And I think that with Brock Purdy under center, they're going to want to go even more run heavy. So this is a guy who uh, ran well last week, you know, when they went down and, and sort of like passed the eye test to me. And so we were like wondering, like, how are they going to replace Elijah Mitchell? Is it going to be more Debo Samuel? Is it going to be a committee? Is it going to be some Jordan Mason, some Tyrion Davis-Price, some Tevin Coleman? Nope, going to be all Jordan Mason. And in a game in which Chris McCaffrey had 25 touches, Jordan Mason still had, uh, I want to say, 13 for, what did he have? He had, like, uh, he had like 71 yards or something like that off the top of my head. Let yeah. me look this up real quickly. But, like, he was, you know, he looked good. Uh, specifically, all right, so uh, Jordan Mason had, sorry, 8 for 51. He averaged 6.4 yards per carry against the Dolphins as well, and so my expectation here is that his role will increase because they like him there, he runs hard, and that's how the Niners want to win. They want to, uh, they want to limit Brock Purdy, right? Yep. They want to play good defense, we're going to run the ball, and we're going we're gonna to grind out 17 17- 14 wins all day long. Yeah, and also this isn't the Tampa Bay run defense of last year, the year before. There's no Indominus Sur. It's not quite the same unit. It's still good. Still a good yeah. run defense, but it's not the type of unit where Frank Reich completely gives up running Jonathan Taylor last year against the Bucs because he just can't get anything. But I just, I just think he's an important ad. You know, we talked about him last week and we talked about him in Fantasy Football pregame as kind of a sneaky ad prior to the game starting. But uh, considering he's still available in 85% of Yahoo leagues, a lot of people not listening to us serves you right. But what I would say here is, is that like there's there's some, I think there's going to be an increased role for him as well. You like some of the you know upcoming matchups as well, and also just insurance for Christian McCaffrey. Well, like it's clear that like with Elijah Mitchell on IR, if anything were to happen to CMC, Jordan Mason suddenly inherits an amazing role. We're going to talk a little bit later in the show about insurance running backs. We talk about it every single week, but as we head into the fantasy playoffs, and this is win or get in time. If you know you're locked in or you feel pretty good about your chances playing in the fantasy postseason, you want to make sure all of your stars are locked up. Yep, and I think with Christian McCaffrey, he's about to see insane usage yeah. next to Brock Purdy. It's going to be at the expense of Brandon Ayuk, other Niners pass catches, and uh, Christian McCaffrey's not afraid of getting hurt. Uh, he does have a little bit of that history, so I think that Jordan Mason should be rostered everywhere. Let's talk about a frequent guest in this part of the show. Not the most inspiring pickup, but uh, he has been providing a little bit of value, and that's Jarek McKinnon. Double-digit fantasy points in three of the past five. He's playing at least 25 snaps in every game this year except two CEH on the uh, on the IR. And so it's really the Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon show. As you see his last five game log right there, they play Denver this week. Um, and then they're at Houston, which you love. They're home to Seattle, which you love. Home to Denver this week as well. I don't know that the uh, the Broncos really, you know, scare you. It's a good defense, but it's not a great defense. They're 16th against the run 
over the last month yep. as well. And so they'll get into negative game script. And what was encouraging about McKinnon's usage last week is that we always think of him, well, he's the passing down guy. Pacheco's the thumper between the tackles, and McKinnon is the passing down guy. And they used him somewhat that way, but they also ran him between the tackles somewhat last week. And he ended up, he scores the touchdown on a passing play. But the fact of the matter is, is that McKinnon getting rushing attempts is also positive. And so, again, there's a reason he's fourth on this list. But uh, do I think he has value in slightly deeper leagues? I do. Yeah, and if you've got... Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara on your team and you're on bye and you've got a really good team otherwise and you just need eight, nine points. Exactly. You could do worse than you Jared could, McKinnon. You could do worse and you probably have. You, yeah. You could also do better. But uh, I, th- I think at the other end of the spectrum, Jerry McKinnon, you very much know what you're getting out of him. I'm not sure you ever know what you're getting out of Cam Akers, but he's shown more signs of life. He scores two touchdowns against the Seahawks as his best game in as long as I can remember. So in, on the pre-show meeting, so we talk about this, right? We believe it or not, we actually we actually produce this thing, and uh, and I <clears throat> uh, excuse me, uh, you know we talk about these things in the pre-show meeting, and we're like we're ranking where we would we would take all these running backs, right? You can make an argument for Cam Akers, number one, should be the number one pickup this week oh because. Boy. This is a guy who has been a fantasy superstar in his past. He's coming off a two-touchdown game. There's opportunity with the Rams. You can also make an argument, which is the argument I made, which is why he's here at the very end of the list, that this is buyer beware. Yes, he played 72% of the snaps in Week 13. He's also been under 40% in six straight games leading up to this. He got the two touchdowns against Seattle, one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, a team that was top three in terms of most fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs before giving up two touchdowns to Cam Akers. That offense has been all over the map. You don't have any confidence in their offensive line. Every single week, it's a different guy leading that backfield. Cam Akers has gone from he's our starter to he's in the doghouse to he's a healthy scratch to he's requested a trade and we're going to honor it to he's still on the team to, okay, maybe he's going to work his way back to playing under 40% and losing time to Kieran Williams and Ronnie Rivers. And now to, oh, here he goes, 72% of the snaps and uh, he's getting two touchdowns. If there's a positive to hang your hat on, in addition to last week, he's had at least 14 touches and 60 yards in two of the past three. So maybe he's finally starting to get healthier coming off that Achilles. Maybe he's finally starting to be the, the, uh, the Cam Akers we saw pre-injury last year. Um, they play the Raiders this week, which is a good matchup in theory. Yes. If he can get the ball. This is what is known as fence-sitting. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. That is make what a, I am doing. I want to be opinion? very clear about this. I am, I am freakingly on the fence about Cam Akers. I have no insight here. I have no insight here. I have no good feel for this. My <laughs> my instinct tells me that I want no part of the Rams offense and that if Cam Akers goes to somebody else in my league and he scores two touchdowns again, God bless, knock yourself out. I feel better about the four guys I mentioned ahead of it. But if you believe in Cam Akers, if you believe in Cam Akers, then there you go. Listen, yeah. it's, it's, you know. Look, I don't, I don't believe I tell, in. I tell my kids. I t- I, you know, this, and this is, this is true. I'll tell you ever at home. Like, when you believe, that's when stuff happens. If you don't believe, things don't happen. Yeah, I don't think going to war with Cam Akers and staking one's name to Cam Akers has gone that well over the past two years. But at the same time... It's... it's, Right. His schedule upcoming. And this is the reason, if you were to believe... If you doubt Santa, he doesn't show up. When you believe in Santa, Santa shows up. Yeah, that's the first Santa Cam Akers. Cam Akers Akers the same way. If you believe in if you believe in Cam Akers, maybe, you know, maybe he shows up. I don't believe in Cam Akers. Yeah, I know you don't. But... His schedule upcoming, Raiders Thursday night, as you said, at Green Bay. You love that. 
Denver, as you said, middle of the pack, and then at the Chargers. And also, John Wofford, he showed a level of competence in the Rams' offense. Like, they got the 23 against Seattle. Yeah. Seattle have a bad defense, but they're playing bad defenses upcoming outside of Denver. So, I don't know. Cam Akers, whatever. Here's what I would say. I don't want, you want to take a flyer on him? Take a flyer on him. Yeah. Take a flyer on him. Yeah. Um, just, you know, yeah. see if they go back to Kieran Williams or they continue with uh, Cam Akers. One last thing we should mention here is Seattle. Sure. Pete Carroll, of course, saying Kenneth Walker has an ankle strain, not a sprain. It's like the ankle went kind of... The foot went, like, down instead of to the side. It's a very weird injury. It's a very weird injury, and they're hopeful he plays this week. So I do think that, um, you know, Travis Homer was out last week with that knee sprain illness. So my expectation here is is if Kenneth Walker misses, probably be a bit of a committee, but DJ Dallas would be the head of that committee. Last week he left in the first half, he returned. He has also somewhat of a high ankle sprain. you're just sort of throwing dark. Who knows? What's going on with all these ankles? Why are they so different to normal ankles? I don't, Somewhat I don't, of a high ankle I don't, sprain. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we get more clarity on the Seattle running back situation as we move forward uh, throughout the week there. They're home to Carolina this week. You know, Carolina bottom 12 run defense over the last four weeks. So, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a, in a week in which six or more running backs are out, you know, you potentially could do worse. So, it's, a, it's just a storyline to monitor as well. Watch them like sign Alex Collins off the you know yeah. off free agency and, and then he get off. twenty touches. But yeah. uh, right there All you right. go. Let's jump into insurance running backs to add down the stretch. Headlined by the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of an insurance running back, Alexander Mattison. Yeah, of course, Deion Jackson now Colts on a bye this week, but just worth it. Ingram, the Cardinals coming off of a bye. I think he's an interesting one. Obviously, backing up James Conner. Uh, you know, you see Matt Breida there for Saquon Barkley, Chuba Hubbard for Deontay Foreman as well. Well, you know it's like a one-for-one. One. You've got Boston Scott uh, backing up Miles Sanders there on that screen. My expectation is it would be a combo of him and Gainwell if something were to happen to Sanders. But uh, we just, again, I would much rather have back up my production at a running back spot so that if something happens to one of my guys, I know, okay, I don't need to go battle everyone on the waiver wire or if I'm out of fab money, whatever. I've got that person on my team. Versus holding on to this, you know, rookie that I'm hoping will pop. You yeah. know, like Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, Sky Moore ain't yeah. gonna happen for yeah. Sky Moore, no, guys. It's not. It's not. Sorry. It just, you know Sorry, what I mean? Sky, like, if you're watching, yeah. Okay, we're gonna go to break. When we come back, quarterback waivers. We're talking about the big names: Brock Purdy, Tyler Huntley, Mike White. Big names, all the stars on the happy hour. Do you guys have uh, any interest in pursuing Baker Mayfield on the waiver wire? Um, I mean, we look into everything, but um, that was, I mean, that surprised me right now. I and mean, we got to discuss more this afternoon and stuff. But, um, you know, I've always been a fan of his, but feel real good about our players. And we'll look into everything, but I feel pretty good with where we're at right now. All right, that was 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan talking about Baker Mayfield, the much maligned Baker Mayfield. He has to be better than Brock Purdy. But at the same time, you know what I was thinking? I don't think so. Jacoby? I mean, that was, that, was, that was a nice way of saying, like, yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett playing so well. That was the so voice well. of Kyle Shanahan, by the way, for those listening at home. Yeah. The, the, the level at which Jacoby Brissett played this season makes me think that maybe Baker Mayfield was just bad all along. And he was just with that Cleveland offensive line, with the running game, with the play action that he used. I don't know. Baker Mayfield. Someone's going to pick him up. Someone is. I mean, this guy's a former number one overall pick in the NFL draft. By the way, and the other thing on Baker Mayfield, we don't need to derail but by the way it's not like Baker Mayfield has not had success in the NFL like he's I mean, had that, two that, that really play, good years he's, right that's the thing right that the playoff game 
um, like he went into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers, and that wasn't like sure. a they beat the Steelers. Yeah, like that like was forty-five. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And Baker was great in that game. Like I just tough year I mean, for Baker. Tough, tough year for tough year for Baker. I mean, listen. It's a mess in Carolina. Like, you know, like, I mean, it's not like Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker are, like, lighting it up and everything like that. Like, they fired the head coach. And yeah. anyway, so. Looking forward to Baker Mayfield on my New York Jets next year. If that feels destined to happen. Or yeah. maybe the Indianapolis Colts. After Mike White gets a max deal somewhere. Yeah, exactly. The great Mike White. We're going to talk about him soon. But first, let's talk about another San Francisco 49er, a guy who is on the team, Brock Purdy. You're adding Brock Purdy. Uh, I'm not. I mean, listen, it, I'll say that, like, if you're in a two-quarterback league, if you're in a super-flex league, deep league, then sure, I'm in a couple of those. I mean, the fact of the matter is that Garoppolo had multiple touchdown passes in five of the last seven. It's worth noting that the Niners lead the NFL in yards after catch per reception, yeah. which makes sense. Short passes to Debo Samuel, to Brandon Ayuk, to Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, who's great after the catch as well. Yep. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, that's the offense I'm calling. Right? You know, just like, hey, Brock Purdy, we're not going to ask you to do much. Just really simple stuff. Move you outside of the pocket. Just some quick slants. Just, you know, quick throws. That kind of stuff. And just, like, really easy pitch and catch stuff. And let my skill guys do what they do. And, you know, there may not be a better guy in the NFL to scheme up, you know, getting guys in space and creating mismatches than Kyle Shanahan. So, um, he's not going to add anything with the legs. And it's still going to be a conservative offense that will be in tight games because of their defense. And so... I guess I'm saying I think there is, in a deep two-quarterback league, uh, I think he could be, like, not awful. Yeah. Like, I think he could be usable. Like, you you know know what I mean? There are other quarterbacks out there that I like, starting with Jared Goff, who's out there still in half of Yahoo leagues. That would be my number one quarterback if he's still available, right? I mean, they play the Minnesota Vikings at home this week. We've talked about the fact that when he's playing at home, Jared Goff averages over 20 fantasy points per game. The Vikings have allowed over 300 passing yards in four straight games. And as you have noted, Jay, the line of this game is super close. It's Well, the Lions are now two-and-a-half-point favorites. Home field advantage these days in the NFL is worth one-and-a-half to two points. So BetMGM and the market are saying that the Detroit Lions are just a better football team than the 10-and-2 Minnesota Vikings, and I'm not sure I disagree. Well, it's certainly close. The fact of the matter is is that if you looked at the records, you'd say, like, all right, well, this is like a, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is going to be a blowout. I think Detroit's got a better offense than Minnesota, and they've both got pretty bad defenses. So, what's really the comes difference? down to the last possession. Either way, we expect a lot of fantasy points to be scored in this one, especially from the Detroit Lions, who now have a fully healthy DeAndre Swift to go along with the, the Sun God and Jamal Williams and all the complimentary pieces they have there in Detroit. Let's talk now about Mike White of your beloved New York Jets. My man Mike White, who just continues to put up 300-yard games for fun. And I think the best thing about Mike White is that he realizes that it's good if you throw to your best player. He targeted Garrett Wilson 15 times. And the crazy thing about Garrett Wilson's game, which is very tied to Mike White, is that Garrett Wilson went 8 for 162 and left a ton of yards on the table. Mike White missed him for an 80-yard touchdown, which would have changed the complexion of the game. But you see what he's done his first two starts of the season. 315 yards, 369 yards, three touchdowns in the first game. Doesn't get on the board uh, in the end zone in the second game against Minnesota. Throws a couple of picks. Don't really criticize him for the loss. But he just looks good out there. Yeah, I mean, listen, he had had 19 fantasy points last week, uh, 24 the week before. And he plays the Bills this week where, again, as we mentioned, Bills are nine-and-a-half-point favorites, so in theory, Jets going to be having to throw to catch up. And I think this would shock people. But over the last month, the Buffalo Bills are a bottom-five pass defense. 
Yeah, and they're banged up. They're banged up, and teams are having to throw a lot on them as as well. And so, um, I guess my point is, is like, I think you'd say, oh, on the road to Buffalo, oh man, like, the matchup doesn't scare me as much. Like, it might be some junk time, but uh, the Jets. People forget the Jets beat the Bills the first time they played. They did, and they and they played them very well, and they beat them with Zach Wilson as well. And it's not like Zach Wilson. Be interesting had a great to see. Yeah. Interesting to see, like if Mike White can't beat Zach, can't beat the Bills, but <laughs> well, Zach Wilson Ma- did. Yeah, means Jets win by twenty now. They've got Mike White. Uh, there you go, at quarterback. So yeah, I think that Mike White, just the fact that he has that rapport with Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, much like Justin Jefferson, lifts Kirk Cousins. Like Garrett Wilson, when he doesn't have Zach Wilson as his quarterback, it's basically Tyreek Hill meets Justin Jefferson. Puts I mean, up insane I, stat lines. It's been uh, it's been amazing to see and has moved Garrett Wilson and just must start, doesn't matter who he's playing. Borderline wide receiver one, if not just the wide receiver one. And uh, I wonder, my only other question about this is, like, when the Jets play the Bills, what Disney movie do you think they all wear shirts from as they walk in? Because, you know, they did Mighty Ducks last week. Is it 101 Dalmatians? Do you reckon they they go away from it because they lost the game? Well, they went for underdog. They went underdog sports movie. Okay. So do you think it was Disney or do you think underdog sports movie? Because they could be like the Bad News Bears. Bad News Bears. They could be... Um, remember the Titans. Remember the one. Titans. Remember the Jets. They remember yeah. the Jets. They could, <laughs> they, could wear, um, they could all wear you know, Rocky Balboa shirts. Sure. They could, uh, you know... Good vibe uh, around right? the Jets. Right. You know what they should do? Here's what they should do. They should all wear the NASCAR Wonder Bread <laughs> outfits from Days of Thunder. Yeah, not okay. Days of Thunder. What's the Will Ferrell movie? Uh, Talladega, Talladega Nights. Nights. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Days of Thunder is the is the is the one they're making fun of. Right. Talladega Nights is the Tom Cruise Days one. Of with, is Nicole Kidman in that too? Yeah, of course, yeah, of course yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Australian. Nicole Kidman. Shout out, Nicole. I know you watched the show. All right, let's go to the Ravens situation. But first, let's hear from John Harbour on Lamar Jackson. John, uh, any update on Lamar? Yeah, we, um, he's been through the MRIs, and uh, I would say it's kind of week to week. You know, it's going to be a weekly thing. So uh, as the week goes on, we'll see for this week. It's probably less likely for this week, but it's not impossible. Um, and then after that, it'll become more and more likely. Lamar Jackson, chronically hurt of late. He had a similar thing with his ankle at the end of last year where it was week to week and he just never came back. This seems less severe this time. But Tyler Huntley filled in ably last time he was in, had an incredible rapport with Mark Andrews. Is Tyler Huntley, is he an ad? I think he is. I mean, like, if you look at his game log, like, he had some, like, 35-point games, and then he had, like, some 14-point games. So a little bit up and down and inconsistent. But in the six games over the last two years and where he's played the majority of the snaps, he is averaging 15.9 fantasy points per game as you see it there on your screen. And I think the most important stat that's there on your screen, he's averaging 54 rushing yards a game, and he's got three rushing touchdowns in his career when he plays over 50% of the offensive snaps. So that's, that's six games over the last two years. So, you know, the three touchdowns in six games, three rushing touchdowns in six games, the 54 rushing yards per game over the six just makes you feel like at least there's a floor there with Tyler Huntley. I'm not worried about Mark Andrews. He had some good games. I know bad game for Mark Andrews this past week. Whatever. They're on the road at Pittsburgh. Those are always, I don't care what the record is, Steelers-Ravens are always like hard-fought, you know, nasty, um, you know, kind of right AFC North, like real stereotypical, yes. you know, Willis divisional yeah, yeah. D- divisional battles. Um, but I do think because of the rushing, Tyler Huntley is, you know, 
potentially viable as a QB2? He was really good down the end of last season. And I think the other thing is he shook the curse. Because last year, end of last year, he was just losing close games for fun in agonizing fashion. Doesn't get the two-point against Green Bay. Loses a cl- close ones against Cleveland and the Rams. And then goes down the field against Denver. Gets the win to... Not save Baltimore's season, but relative to winning the division might have saved their season. And then their schedule. At Pittsburgh this week, as you mentioned. Then at Cleveland. That defense is no good uh, at the moment. Then Atlanta and Pittsburgh again. So I think that's overall, it's a good schedule. It is. And so, uh, and we'll see we'll again. See when it, Lamar comes back. Yeah, I mean, like, and Harbaugh's trying to, like, you know, he said, you know, not impossible, but less likely this week. And as the weeks go on, it'll be more and more. But, you know, and again, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything. But... There is a chance, I have no insight on this, I just want to say this, that I would assume that somebody in Lamar's camp will say something to the effect of like, listen, dude, you're a free agent. You're about to get paid. You're about to get a massive, whether it's from the Ravens or somebody else, you're about to get a massive, life-changing money, you know, quarter of a billion dollar type deal here. Yeah. You know, if you're less than 100%, you really want to, and given the weight, the style of play that you have, you're really going to go risk a quarter of a billion dollars you know, on a jet sweep against the Steelers. Yeah. You know, and so I just, again, I'm not accusing Lamar of anything. I'm not, I don't know any of this. This is pure speculation. A lot of hedging from you today. Cam Akers, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. uh. Yeah, but like, because this is like, because I want to be clear about this. I don't want people to think like, oh, I've talked to somebody and like, because this is like, you know, because there will obviously be Ravens fans that would be, if that were to happen, again, yeah. I, you know, they, they would be upset about that. And also, then. if he misses two weeks and comes back in three weeks, then at worst case, they're eight and six and still very much in the playoff picture. As someone who's not a doctor and has no medical credentials, I would set the over-under. It's probably like two and a half in terms of games that he misses that range. So you probably get two games of Tyler Huntley. I'm merely saying, against without full knowledge of the injury, and given his contract situation and where the Ravens are because they could potentially be out of the playoff picture by the time he comes back, I'm just saying there's a non-zero chance that we've seen Lamar Jackson's last game this year. Fair? Sure. Fair. Non-zero. Non-zero. Non-zero chance. Okay. Well, we haven't seen the last game of Ryan Tannehill. He plays the Jags' favorable matchup after a much more difficult matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles who punked the Tennessee Titans. His schedule the next three weeks, Ryan Tannehill in particular, Jacksonville, at the Chargers, Houston, that is as good as it gets. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you're not worried about the Chargers. We just saw Derek Carr light them up. Jacksonville, of the last four quarterbacks that have faced my Swaguars, have all scored over 18 fantasy points. And then you mentioned the home game against Houston. Four weeks from now, they play Dallas. And so, who knows, by the way, Dallas may have clinched something there. Maybe they're resting their starters. So, we'll see. Um, uh, but anyway, certainly you like the next three weeks. I think they're all interesting as well. So, he's 83% av- available. You don't love him, but again, this is just sort of if you're desperate, trying to get me a name. One last thing that came in uh, over the break. So some breaking news here just about the Titans. Not really fantasy relevant, but just sort of interesting. The Titans have fired their general manager, John Robinson. Yeah, uh, they're first place in the division. Division's basically locked up. They're going to the playoffs. But uh, the timing is just too good after I mean, A.J. Brown lights right. them up. So let me get this straight, John Robinson. You traded A.J. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Then he comes back yeah. and he lights us up. Yeah, and you replaced him a with... Weird, uh, it, yeah. Robert Woods. Right. I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a weird one there, but maybe more changes coming sure. to, uh, to the Titans. You know, we'll see. They'll obviously replace John Robinson with a new general manager. Does that general manager keep Mike Vrabel or bring in his own staff? You know, so. You'd want to keep Mike Vrabel. I would, he might be the I, best coach in the league. You and I agree with that, yeah. but like again, sure. like they're first place in the division, and the guy just got fired. So who knows what's going on with Tennessee ownership? Um, but just uh, anyway, here's the great thing about the NFL. 
It's never boring. It's never boring. All right, it's we're going to go to break. Boring. When we come back, waiver wide, wide receivers, including my man, Nico Collins. Yeah. Speaking of never boring. Apparently, uh, my Hugh Hefner row got a shout out uh, and it made an appearance on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with uh, Matthew Barry and Jay Croucher a couple weeks ago. And uh, I was I was told that the other day. And uh, I, I'm personally, I'm glad that 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 uh, jokes at my expense are, you know, broadcast across the great NBC Universal Network. It's not a it, folks. It's not a robe. It, I, it's a sweater. I don't need a, I don't. It's a it's just a sweater. I'm distracted here because I was just called the Mr. Rogers of fancy. The, the attacks have to stop. Any Hefner there. That's absolutely a rug. But, by the way, and if it's, a, if it's a sweater, the reason you're being called Denny Carter, and that, that, that was a clip from Denny Carter's YouTube show uh, that he does. He does the live waiver hour, hour right after this yep. on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. But the reason, Denny Carter, that people are calling it a robe is because it looks like a robe. And the reason people are calling you the Mr. Rogers of fantasy football is because if it's a sweater, it's an old man sweater. And you are not an old man. He might have an old man mentality. But, that, yes. I mean, that's what it is. Like... You know, like it's robe-ish, it, it is, robe adjacent. It, it's just, it's, it is robe adjacent. That's yes. a good call. Yeah, it it's, is like you know, it's a it, it's like a it's a you know it's a bi-week fill-in for a robe. Yeah, it may not exactly. be the best robe in the world, but like you know, hey, bi-week I'm desperate for a robe. Fill. Like that could sort of pass. It's good for a robe. By the way, and I also like the fact that, that, robe that, that he's just like I heard. He's like hurt. Oh, <laughs> thanks for not watching, Denny Carter. Yeah, you heard. Yeah. Turn on Peacock once in a while. That's already texted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ungrateful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, road wear. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some wide receivers on the waiver wire. Let's start with Nico Collins. <laughs> Plays at Dallas. Did a bit of work on the weekend, Nico Collins, and so, uh, he's the number one guy. The whole reason I was doing the whole bit about Denny Carter yeah. and stretching that out is so we didn't have to talk Don't about, about Nico Collins. Well, we didn't have to talk about how bad these the wide receiver. I, I feel like there's pretty good options at quarterback and running back. Usually it's this, the other way around. Right. Usually it's good at wide receiver, bad at running back, but this week not so much. The best option is Nico Collins, who's available in 71% of the leagues. He's had 36 targets over his past four games, at least seven in all four. Double digit fantasy points in three of the past four. But, like, even with this massive volume, like, he's been, like, okay. He bailed you out with a late touchdown last week against the Browns, but, I mean, like, 3 for 35, 6 for 44, 5 for 48. Like, Kyle Allen might be the worst quarterback in the NFL that's starting for a team right now. It's just funny that he needs 10 targets to get three receptions, which is not I mean, that's the, It's not I mean, very that's efficient. The, that's the point. It's just and, – and so, if Brandon Cooks comes back this week, we'll see. They're at Dallas, um, uh, you know, this week. And that's our best option. Yeah. Like, you don't love him at Dallas. Again, like, he's getting volume. He's not doing much with it. You know, I like the player. Yeah. But. We, would, we might have Matt Collins ahead of Nico Collins if we knew that Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller weren't getting activated for Thursday Night Football against the Rams. We've got to monitor that situation. But if they're out, then yeah. Collins has value. Yeah, I mean. Relatively. I mean, the, the thing about Matt Collins, right, and it doesn't look like they're going to play. They, As we've talked about earlier, they play the Thursday night game against the Rams. And so Matt Collins, who's had at least four receptions in three straight games, he's playing over 90% of the snaps. He's had, you know, uh, double-digit fantasy points in four of the last seven games, nine targets into the past three. I like Matt Collins. Makes it, he's a little bit big to play dependent. But uh, against the Rams this week, you're not super scared about it. But again, like, 
whatever. He had eight and a half fantasy points. I mean, like, when I tell you this is an ugly list, <laughs> yeah. it's an ugly list. Um, next up on the list is Isaiah McKenzie against the Jets. This is, I think, if Matt Collins is a floor guy, yeah. Matt Collins is eight to 12 fantasy points, basically. Gets you that. Again, he's playing a ton of snaps. They're throwing a lot in Las Vegas. Isaiah McKenzie is kind of like, could be awesome, yeah. could do nothing. Yeah, exactly. And against the Jets, you don't love the matchup against that secondary. As we talked about, you want tight ends and running backs against the Jets. And, uh, yeah, Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis are going to take the bulk of work. He's had at least one red zone target in three of the past four and five or more receptions in back-to-back games. So starting to come along as well. So, so I don't mind him, but I, I just think he's a little more boomer bust. Yep. Also probably boomer bust is Corey Davis, who uh, did a bit of work against Minnesota, got that great fourth and ten reception, uh, and he plays the Bills. Correct, and we expect them to be throwing a lot there. You know, 10 targets last week in his return for the Jets from Mike White. You like that. He's playing at least 74% in um, – he's played eight full games this year. He's played 74% in six of those eight games. He's had over 70 yards in four of those eight games here. 10 targets well, last week. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm just saying. Like, it's just, you know, like Mike White was looking for. Mike White's thrown a lot, but we expect him to throw a lot at Buffalo. And by the way, look at the Jets' schedule coming up, as we talked about with Mike White. So at Buffalo this week, which again, we're not scared of because they're banged up in the secondary. We think Jets will have to throw. Home to Detroit, home to Jacksonville, at Seattle. Like you love that schedule. Yep. Speaking of Detroit, DJ Chark against Minnesota, favorable matchup against a pretty weak pass defense. And DJ Chark coming off his best game of the season. Yeah, season high in catches and yards in week 13. He's had five or more targets in four of his five healthy games this season. And it is worth noting the Vikings allow the most uh, yards per game to opposing wide receivers. Having said that, like, you know. It's still DJ Shark. It's still DJ Shark. Like, whatever. I mean, they have other weapons, right? DeAndre Swift getting healthy. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to re- lead that team in targets. Jameson William play, got eight snaps. We expect his role to increase as he continues to get healthier and work his way into the offense. But. I mean, there's a reason he's fifth on this list in a weak week. Yep. But he's DJ Shark, and it does have a favorable matchup in a game which we expect a lot of points to be played. Finally, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to say about this? He's had 55 yards in three of the past four games. It was worth noting that, like, they went back to him. Like, he had the bad drop, and Mahomes went right back to him last week. Yeah, a little bit of consistency from MVS lately, as much as he can ever have. Yeah, yeah. This is all damning with faint praise. All right. I look forward to Denny Carter talking about these names in his robe, wearing a in a coffee mug, yeah. later on uh, the NFL and NBC YouTube channel. Let's get the hell out of this segment. Let's leave it behind. Let's leave Nico Collins, Isaiah McKenzie behind. When we come back, tight ends. Huh. All right. Let's look at some defense special team. Uh, streamers, Matthew, what leaps out to you here? Yeah, the fact that we shouldn't even be talking about this because the league <laughs> should not be playing with defense or kickers. You sh- everyone should be doing super flex. But for those of you that are playing in leagues with defense, and I, I still play in some of them too because I have stubborn commissioners, how about the Chiefs that play the Broncos this week? And by the way, after the Chiefs, they're at Houston, home to Seattle, home to Denver again. Like a great playoff schedule uh, or coming up here for the Chiefs as well. Steelers there available. Worth seeing in, you know, it's available in like uh, almost 70% of leagues. Their Steelers have uh, Ravens in a backup quarterback, and then they're at Carolina. Uh, by the way, and you see, you know, Titans against the Jaguars. Maybe they, they win one for John Robinson. Sure. Um, you know, they rally the troops uh, as well. Uh, Raiders at, at the Rams offense, Cardinals against the Patriots offense, which has really seemed to struggle. And how about the Chargers? Okay, they get um, uh, this. They get Miami this week, which you don't love. But then Tennessee, Indy, Rams, 
So three straight matchups of so-so offenses. Fairly favorable. Favorable, yeah. favorable after Miami this S- week. Steelers are the one I like there because of the schedule against Tyler Huntley and then Carolina and also just the upside that T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick give you. That defense has played better since T. I I mean, T.J. Watt is that he is, he, that he is that guy that just makes an entire defense reason. so much better. All right, let's, let's jump into tight, tight ends. ends. And let's start with a popular name in this segment every week, Greg Dolchich. Yeah, look, we left him for dead, and then all of a sudden, he gets eight targets in week 13, six for 85. Cortland Sutton left this game early, which I think maybe contributed to as well. He's day-to-day with a hamstring injury. Worth noting that the Chiefs, in a game in which we expect Denver to have to throw, Chiefs are allowing uh, touchdowns to tight ends at the sixth highest rate this season. Yeah. I like the imagery of we left Greg Dolchich for dead, like he's Uma Thurman in Kill Bill Volume 1. Yeah. yeah Greg Dolchich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the streets after the wedding. And now he's yeah. coming back for us. Now exactly. he's coming back he's got, for he's us. He's got an eye patch and everything. Yeah, exactly. All right. What about Evan Ingram, uh, who, again, is always vaguely uninspiring but can produce? <laughs> He did get the touchdown last week, seven targets in week 13 as well. Worth noting the Titans allow the fifth most yards per game to opposing tight ends. And in five of the past six weeks, he's run at least 30 routes. So he's available in over half of Yahoo leagues. And uh, finally, speaking of the Tennessee Titans, um, Chiggy? Gonna... <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to yeah, try. We're going to get chiggy with it. I'm getting chiggy with it. Okay. I'm not going to try his full name. I apologize. It is a non-insult. I just I don't want to insult the man. I don't want to. It's Chico Conquo. Oh, Conquo. Oh, Conquo. Uh, yeah, uh, Chico Conquo, um, who's had now back-to-back games with five targets. He's had a 30-yard reception in four of the past five games. Traylon Burks may miss this game. They don't have a lot of pass catchers in Tennessee. So yeah, get chiggy with it. Get in, chiggy with it. In week 14. Dear God. All right. Get you with it. Yeah, I think the tight ends, I mean, all of these guys, again, as we've t- spoken about all the time, it feels like they're all three receptions, 39 yards, and then they all have a 25% chance at a touchdown. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, yeah and, it's ugly. Uh, and that's the nature yeah. of the tight end position. We started strong and we ended ugly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is what we do here at the happy hour. We will be back tomorrow um, as well. But listen, it is closing time which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. you got to get the hell out of here. Go get chiggy with it. Yeah, get chiggy with it. So, uh, for Jay Croucher, at CroucherJD on Twitter, I am Matthew Berry, TMR. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out.